Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Foster Brown. Along with my co-host, Gary Baker, and our team of experts, we've been helping people like you since 1998 with your computer problems, introducing you to valuable resources, and promoting tech enterprise throughout Michigan. The Internet Advisor is a two-hour podcast recorded every week at the studios of historic WJR Radio in Detroit. Both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor. Welcome to the Internet Advisor, your place for answers to your computer questions since 1998, with your co-hosts Gary Baker and Foster Brown and their team of tech experts. The door is always open at internetadvisor.net, on Facebook and through Twitter. But right now it's time to get you in touch with your helpful hosts on this week's edition of Internet Advisor. Hello and welcome to the Internet Advisor, our podcast version, and also welcome to those folks who are listening to us on our affiliates throughout the state of Michigan. I'd like to be with you, and the march continues here at the Internet Advisor. We're going to be looking at all sorts of things today, a Google gadget jamboree that took place this last week, and also about some Apple Bites, and lots of other things, including our feedback from the TEDx in Detroit, all coming up on the Internet Advisor. Welcome to the Internet Advisor. Kind of uh, one of the unique experiences for us as the people putting the program together. I, I hope not unique for you as listeners to our program. Unique in the sense that we have been preempted on our home station, our flagship station, WJR, AM, uh, 760 AM in Detroit, because of an Michigan State University football game, this time against uh, Brigham Young University. This being played at... Um, in East Lansing, and as a result of that going on in the afternoon, we are not heard live on WJR, but we're here recording a two-hour program, as we always do, and as a matter of fact, it's always saved as a podcast, and we also send on our program to our affiliates throughout the state of Michigan, primarily in the western part of Michigan. So, the beat goes on, and uh, I'm delighted to have in studio with me Mr. Ed Rudell. Eddie, good to be here. Always great to be here, Foster. And Cal is here, too. Cal Carson. Yippee, skippy. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> well, what we're going to do today, folks, we're going to talk about, uh, this has been a busy week um, in many ways, uh, both in terms of what's going on in um, the com- world of computers and also for us personally. Right, right. We went to TEDx, you and I, and then we're going to talk about a little bit about a Microsoft and their announcement at the end of the month. Uh, mm-hmm. At the end of October, they have something planned. And, it was also uh, a Googleicious week. Uh, Google comes is coming out with some additional hardware platforms. Oh, yeah. It was a big week for them. Announcing, I believe it was on uh, Tuesday earlier in the week, all sorts of new hardware. And what I like about, I have to say, one of the things I like about Google is the prices are, are fairly reasonable. You know, I, I, except, well, the phone is is a standard, the, their Pixel phones are the standard 600 and some odd dollars that you pay for one of the top end um, Correct, yeah. uh, smartphones that are out there now. Hell, you know, back in the old days, my original Palm, um, what was it? Oh, the trio. The, the trios were trio six hundreds and six hundred e's. Those were six hundred dollars. Absolutely, they know. <laughs> so the price point really hasn't changed. No, that's they've just gotten better and better. And that's better. just something point. magical about that six hundred dollars, isn't it? Mm. 
It's just amazing. <laughs> that's that, but that's only if you're going to buy it straight out. If you're going yes. to get it on a contract with a manufacturer of some sort, uh, not a manufacturer, but with a carrier like either Sprint or Verizon or the major ones AT&T, out there, yeah. then you know, then you're basically leasing the phone. Yep, you're doing an installment payments now, for instance, with AT and T, and I think I have another few months to go in mine. Yeah, unless uh, unless you happen to be lucky enough where uh, one of the major retailers like Best Buy mm. is supplementing on those things, and then you can buy them straight out for a ridiculously wonderful price, and then, of course, you're locked into the agreement with yeah, the carrier right. for there two you years, so you're yep. basically paying it that way. But after the two years, you get to keep it. Yep. Yep. Well, I, and with the, for instance, with AT&T, I'm doing installment payments in addition to the regular fees that they charge you for using a smartphone, and, and at the end of that, then I do own it. That's yeah. smart. And yeah. I, I always <laughs> I always like keeping the, the device myself. I, I'm not one that I have to have a new one every five seconds. Well, you know, I, let's just talk about that for a second because I think that's really um, what we've come to with most of these. They're all pretty much on par. And that's what everybody was saying this week, for instance, when Google came out with the Pixel. And that came out in two sizes, a five and a five and a half inch. And with all the other bells and whistles they have on up, they're pretty much on par with, you know, the cameras and everything else that they've got, what else is there to add to it? Well, I, well the Pixel's going to not come with a lot of pre-installed vendor applications, which is nice. All those, I'm like, I don't want these. Mm-hmm. Why can't I uninstall them? Um, so that's one plus. So a lot of Google fanatics and people that, uh, um, you know, prefer not to have mm-hmm. all those pre-installed, you know, like you would not find me opening up an NFL network application on my phone. I <laughs> think it might blow up if I did. <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, that brings right. up a big question. Where do you go get your Google phone serviced? Like, if you buy a Verizon well, a phone, yeah, you take true. it to a Verizon store. If it's a you know, if it's a uh, iPhone, you have a choice between taking it back to whatever your vendor is, or you can take it to the Apple store. What do you do with the Google phone? I'm going to guess the the vendor, but that's a very good point. I don't. We should Google that while we're sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, do you really think that there is much of a difference qualitatively between the phones now? Let's see. If the, if the Galaxy 7 was working properly and not blowing up in people's pockets, is there much difference between these phones now? From a phone standpoint, a mm. phone's a phone. Yeah. You make a call, you receive a call. You, and you got voicemail, and that's about it. Um it's all dependent. I think it's all more dependent upon what type of ecosystem do you want to live in. Aha. Uh-huh. So if you, if you pick Apple, you you doing that ecosystem. Sure. If you pick Google, you're doing that ecosystem. You know that's or, or Android, I should say. You're picking that ecosystem. So I think it's more dependent upon the type of ecosystem you want to go with because the hardware itself, they all do the same thing. Well, they exactly. just do it a little bit different. They have fingerprint readers. Yes. Right. And uh, although I have to say that. Um, now, where is the, oh no, Windows, although they don't have a Windows phone really that they're running anymore. No. Although we're going to talk about that. That may be a, a new phone coming. It's, it's called a Surface phone, but they have that new thing called Hello, which is the Retina read where yeah. they, it actually looks at you and sees that it's you uh, with its camera and uh, opens up on that basis. But the rest of them are pretty much all on a par, you know, with uh, the thing, with the fingerprint read, which I've loved. I love the security involved in that. And I think they're all got that now. Yeah, you know, and I, I, that, that's pretty much what it boils down to. It's like, what ecosystem do you want to live in? You know, uh, what's working best for you? And once you pick that, I think that pretty much locks you into the platform that you like. I wonder, does, do the carriers make much difference anymore? Because they're all pretty much bargain basement fighting. I mean, I'm, you know, if... Well, I mean, if, 
There are areas where you can you can only get Verizon or AT and T. Okay, that's so well put. Yeah. There's a there's a small percentage that that's what it's based upon. Yeah, uh, but that's all dependent on what your lifestyle is. If everywhere you go, you can get that particular carrier that you want to use, yeah. it's great. Yeah. If you go other places where you can't, then it you know makes sense. To and change. then you got that that um, thing the AT and T is coming out with, where it may be everywhere that you can get hold of it. We'll be back in just a minute to talk more about the Googleicious details from this week and TEDx. Thank you again for joining us here on the Internet Advisor, and we're delighted to be able to be part of whatever you happen to be doing right now. If you happen to be in uh, Battle Creek or in Lansing or Grand Rapids or one of the other places where our affiliates are, we're delighted that you're listening to our program. And if you're listening to us on the podcast, eh, good to talk with you. And it's uh, our friends uh, down in Houston, <laughs> Paul Amici, who was happy that the hurricane decided to take a right turn instead of a left turn and head for his end of the Gulf. And people like uh, gentleman farmer Ben Carpenter, who is our uh, our frequent uh, listener on the podcast, and so many of the rest of you out there who for years have been listening to us on our podcast. We're delighted that you do that. Uh, Ed and Cal are in studio with me today. Gary took the day off, and uh, we're talking about this last week. If you remember, we had uh, Charlie Wahlberg on, and we were talking with him about then the upcoming TEDx. TEDx is um, a unique kind of... Uh, of a gathering experience, I think all three of us, am I right on this? All three of us have been TED fans, TED Talk fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've tapped a couple of them on, on YouTube before and found them quite entertaining. Yeah, I, I have the Apple TV, and I literally, there's, there's one category there is TED, and I have sat there for over an hour following a thread. Like, that was about DNA research and the guy who initially discovered the, the Helix and, uh, and that was a woman that discovered the helix. Was it a woman? Yeah, the guy just took the credit. No kidding. Wait, you're kidding me. No. Seriously. I'm pretty sure. Oh, we darn. Well, there, it was a partnership. But I, I, you know, what do I know? <laughs> I'm just a stubborn German. <laughs> well, any yeah. case, I like <laughs> listening to the... I, I love listening or watching, in this particular case, these TED Talks. They're about 15, 20 minutes long, yeah. which is nice. They're a smaller bite. And uh, even if they get into something pretty complicated in terms of technology, if they're not there at it too long. And they also include visuals on the, uh, on the, um, on the broadcast they're on. Mm-hmm. I know Apple TV, for instance. Yeah, it really bugs me when I drive and they're and they have the visuals on. Yes, and I'm listening to it on my Android, and I'm like, oh, I can't, I'm driving, I can't look. <laughs> you know. Well, we got a chance to look this last weekend uh, on Thursday, October the sixth. Charlie Wahlberg, who was with us here, very kindly um, set aside press passes for the four of us: Gary, Cal, Ed, and myself. And we went down to the Fox Theater, and I'll just start right off. What were your impressions, having been Ted fans, of having watched those little snippets, if you will, those individual little talks, what was your experience of the whole thing like? And Ed, let's start with you. I enjoyed it. It was actually kind of long. I didn't expect it to go that long. But um, um, I enjoyed it. Um, You know, when I looked at the guest list, and I'm like, I had to remind myself, you know, there was science, you know, medical, um, you know, the uh, guy from Delphi was there and um, that would have been interesting. I said, guy, I'm sorry. It was Jeff Owens from Delphi and I looked forward to that. And then there were a lot of artists on there. And then I had to remind myself, you know, I would not have clicked on uh, watching something from an artist, you know, or a band or something like that. But then I had to remind myself that when I'm listening to TED Talks, 
Uh, I used to pick and choose. Yes. And I stopped doing that. I could select any one of them and then I'm randomly select the next one. They're all good. Yeah. They they're are all, all good. All they're all very inspirational. They're informative. Mm-hmm. Um, and the opening um, talk about, uh, from uh, Carrie Turner mm-hmm. was was talking about the Comune Fund Foundation. Comune Young. Comune Young. The, what an incredible mayor of Detroit, yeah, back in the 60s. And, of course, he put a positive spin on everything. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how it was like a dad's discipline. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it, it was a very inspirational impassioned speech and it was very good i didn't know what to expect from the coleman a young foundation yeah. because uh, i i think like a lot of people here there were mixed reviews on coleman young and and he was a mm, he was a very colorful character mm-hmm. and uh not always the kind of person i didn't know he was a what is it a cassini uh arsini airman Tuskegee, uh, Tuskegee, pardon Thank me, you. Tuskegee Airmen. Yes, yes I, did. I had not known that either. I, I mean, I probably knew it and yeah. remembered it. I had right, not remembered right. it. I, I, Cal, how about you? Just an overall impression, first of all. Well, I went in, I got to be honest, I was looking for just tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons, times 10 tons, tons <laughs> of technology talking. And when I got there, I forgot that the T-E-D stands for more than just technology. And so once I got there and got my head in the right place, uh, I found some very enjoyable talks that were going on. Uh, And as Ed said, some of them were very inspirational. And Mm. uh, most of them were informational for me and and just a a good time. And it was interesting just looking around at the people in the audience that were there. I felt very old. Oh, Very, very old. Well, that's because you came too early. You went to the Bill Knapp's version. (laughs) I'm just kidding. When I got got there, I saw, I I will agree with you, there were a lot of young folks there. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought- students. I think they said somewhere, was it above 600? Above 600 students. There was a flush of millennials all over the place, but- I was I sat kind of in the back because I wanted to get a good view of what was going on and everything, and I saw a lot of people, not a ton, but I saw a, a few, quite a few people, rolling close to my age mm-hmm. that were in there <laughs> looking at things uh, as well, and so it was really kind of enlightening to see that it does cover a cross range of people. Uh, I mean, specifically more of a younger set, mm-hmm. but it does cut. You know, there's a cross range of people that showed up and wanted to see what was going on. I think I have to say that I was at because of the variety that was there. I was delightfully surprised by some of the artists. Uh, I don't know. You, you have the, the schedule in front of you there. What it, was the name of that young uh, woman? It was Kismuk. Kismuk Jordan. Yeah, this 18-year-old young woman gave a poem that kind of makes the hairs in the back Oh, of oh the poem. That, no, was, no. Um, that was uh, uh, Zari War, War. Yeah. War. Where, I think. Where, where. where. Zari yeah. Ware. 18 years old, young woman gave out this incredible poem that just was so powerful. And then the other woman that you mentioned. Yeah, Kismuk Jordan. Kismuk Jordan had a vocal range... Three octave vocal range. Had to be at least three octaves. It was just astounding. And she had a band behind her And it was a cross between gospel and operatic. Oh, yeah. She swapped between gospel and operatic. So you had that going on. But then at the same time, uh, they had a scientific uh, display there of the um, um, histosonics. And it was by Christine Gibson. Yep. And Gibbons. And basically they use uh, basically the same stuff that we use for um, ultrasound. But they were able to get to a point where they can actually uh, destroy tissue, hopefully tumorous tissue, by doing just the opposite. And uh, the, and the example was given was for liver cancer. Yes, they're using the actually I found a way of focusing the sound waves in such a way that they can 
um, cause it to destroy a tumor. And the first human trial is going to take place in Spain next year. Yes, exactly. And I found that absolutely incredible what they were showing. And then you went across the street to Comerica Park, and they had in the, uh, for those of you who've been to the ballpark, you know, there's that huge um, mezzanine that goes around uh, the stadium mm-hmm. uh, above the, between... Where the Paul Harvey statue is, right? That's right, right. And in Not there... Not Paul they Harvey, had... I mean... Ernie, Ernie Harwell. Harwell. Ernie Harwell, there we go. <laughs> Good day. Good. <laughs> <laughs> they had uh, displays of all sorts of things that were there. Yeah. Uh, I did think that looked a little bit like a science fair uh, in terms of the, you know, the, the, the way it was displayed and... In comparison with the classy settings you had at the Fox, it was a little bit like that, but it was still it was still interesting. And Cal, you mentioned the virtual reality when we were talking about this. That was something that you couldn't get at those booths, right? Yeah, I figured those were going to be very, very, very busy. So it, getting in that's going to be a little rough. You'd have to get across the street real early, maybe leave to talk just before they stop. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, there, there were two points in there when we were sitting where Foster closed his eyes during the Don White presentation of the uh, Osseo Energy, which is basically oh, yeah. wind energy. Without turbines, and the wind actually passes through a set of, if you will, uh, fins that have water molecules in them, and the wind basically, as it passes through these, it actually removes atoms from the the molecules of the the water molecules, and it builds a static discharge, and they capture the static discharge or the difference of energy, mm-hmm. right? Because it's almost like a static discharge, right? And they're able to use that to generate energy at 100 watts per square foot. And the, the cool thing about this is the, the technology's been out there for this long, but they're now refining the technology. Yes. So that, and that's being done locally with uh, with an organization here. So uh, some fascinating uh, responses to uh, TEDx. And thanks so much to Charlie Wahlberg who made that possible for us. Yeah, it was we'll be, a blast. We'll be back in just a moment to talk a little bit more about TEDx and then also about the Google Gadgets. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, I'm Foster Brown, the producer and co-host of the program. And uh, we're having a good time just kind of kicking back and uh, talking about a number of things from this past week. We've been talking about uh, with Ed Riddell and Cal Carson talking about the um, TEDx Detroit, which took place this past week. And again, thank you so much to Charlotte Wahlberg, who made it possible for us to be there. And I have to say, guys, my I was just Im- incredibly impressed with how smoothly the whole thing ran given all of the components there were there were three segments where they had performers coming on and uh were presenting for 15 to 20 minutes a piece and it could be everything from <laughs> uh giving a talk with slides um or it could have been uh ha- there actually were puppet shadow, shadow puppets yeah <laughs> that was to me the most bizarre of the presentations but ted means Technology, entertainment, and design. And so you see everything in there, the different facets of all these different things. And um, it was kind of like chop suey. <laughs> it was a lot of different stuff. But if you put enough sauce on it, it tastes really good. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, another, another, a couple other performances I saw, uh, there was a, a, a James Kmore did a, a poem. And probably, had you been there, it would have been the same reaction that I would have had uh, if I had been there when that young, young woman, woman did her yeah. poem, too. Because it was very intense oh. and very strong yeah. and that sort of thing. And, and, and it was like, you could tell that it was probably one of his 
first or second performances live doing it uh, because his emotions and uh, his ability to deliver were all winding there together. But he got through it really well, and, and it, was, it was pretty good. Uh, I really enjoyed the Fourth Wall Theater Company. Uh, they came out and explained what theater was all about and why it's important for our culture and society. Yeah. And then they had a, a group of about 25 uh, young folks that came out and they did a uh, theater presentation all using sign language. Oh, wow. And it was very, mm. very entertaining to watch and, and wow. interesting. Wow. Uh, and then the last thing that I really enjoyed, there was a gentleman named Michael Knight, uh, excuse me, Eric Thomas from uh, Sega Marketing. And he went through talking about all the things that should be good about Detroit as opposed to how we say what's bad about Detroit. Mm. And it was just, it was just really f- fulfilling to get that information coming to us. Now, there was another gentleman on there uh, from, uh, and, and you and I were commenting on this, <laughs> very lively, Aaron Draplin. And uh, he was a designer, and he grew. He was born here in Michigan, went to, where is it, uh, Idaho or Montana? or Oregon, Oregon, Oregon God's, I think. Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. God's country out there. <laughs> and uh, spent some time in Alaska living in a car and has a successful company now, you know, now and um, very much involved with, uh, actually got several contracts as design logos for, uh, for the, the government, government. Yeah, and, for, for, and, and political parties and yeah. and. Um, you could tell which political it's, swing he was bent towards. Oh, he is so countercultural too. And that he, was R-rated, folks. Yeah. That was definitely R-rated. But it was it was good. I mean, he, he yes. dropped the f bomb. I don't know how many times, but it was oh. very good. Grab your ears. <laughs> it it was, was good. And the other guy from Mob Steel. So another local company that during the downturn, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, was able right. to take the downturn and into you know the gentleman who lost his job in the automotive industry right. and and took his passion and was able to do custom vehicles. That, that was yes. Exactly. And and then now it does custom wheels as well. Mm-hmm. And he's working with the automotive uh, uh, secondhand, not the secondhand, aftermarket mm-hmm. to, to make these vehicles available as an option for the dealerships. It's just God, remarkable. Would you guys recommend this to anybody to, in the future if it you know came up again? <sighs> you know, that's a good question because I'm not really sure. Or, if, or to if, a certain audience? If you're interested in technology, <laughs> entertainment, and design, yeah, you should go. If you're beyond, if you and if you're willing to stretch your envelope in That's those it. areas, That's it. if you're willing to look at, uh, if you're willing to look at those three different areas in one setting, if you're willing to say, hmm, what could be in design that might work for me in technology, or what could be in entertainment that might work for me in design, or across those different mm-hmm. streams and be able to pull something off that and use it, then yeah, you should go. And that's the whole purpose of TED Talks and TEDx is to to intertwine the the, the different disciplines mm-hmm. of of our culture, the theater, the engineering, right. and the design, and I think and when, the when, sciences. When Charlie uh, Warburg came on stage and and presented at the beginning of the uh, of the day um, on Thursday, he he set it up as this is creativity. And what you're going to get experience here is creativity in a whole lot of different settings. And hopefully it'll spark creativity in whatever field you're in. So it may be an artist who talks about their story and where they've been that sparks you to do something in software. Or somebody who's been creating something in in medicine, for instance, this technology for for, uh, curing cancer. It was interesting because um, the day that I went out there was the day, uh, seven years almost to the day, 
than I received my diagnosis of cancer. So to see somebody coming up with this new technology for dealing with cancer, solid form tumor cancer was like, wow, great. So, I mean, there are, you're inspired in a lot of different ways. And that was what I think he hoped would happen, would be people would go away really pumped up to do something in whatever their figure was, not to become poets or programmers. But you know something, this, this kind of all goes back to the uh, part, and, 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 and I know Gary will throw a rock at me, but this goes back <laughs> to the Steve Jobs philosophy on how he came up with products. The reason why he invented the laser printer, or not invented the laser printer, but pushed for mm-hmm. the Apple LaserWriter printer, is because he wanted to be able to create beautiful books. And he had the tool as far as the computer to do that, yeah. but for printing it off, the dot matrix printer wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted something more powerful, something more stronger, something that gave him the choice of different fonts that were artistically mm-hmm. beautiful and stuff like that. And that's what made him push for the laser printer for the Apple And that's computers. been one of the hallmarks of, of Apple products has been, not to push it too far, but I think has been the beauty and we, we tease about Johnny Ive and the, you know, the design that goes into the, the, the Apple products. But if you've ever opened up a box that uh, an Apple product came in, the box itself has been beautifully designed. Yeah. Even the packaging, everything yeah. about it. I mean, and, and the product itself, yep. it, it did reflect a different element and it, and it brought the quality of the product up, not just for Apple, but for everybody else. Because eventually other companies would design things very similar to it. Yep. So yeah, the, the 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 blending of artistry and technology together is a great idea. And, and I was glad because the several of the students that we talked to, because there were over six hundred students mm-hmm. that were there, mm-hmm. and if you registered, it was free for the students uh, with chaperones and a lot of school systems. Oh, a lot I think, of them, was yeah. one of them Hope. I, uh, uh, Hope College was a group of the ones who had developed one of the uh, products. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, I forget which one it was, but it was really cool. And um, But it was good. A lot of STEM teachers. So a lot oh, of people yeah. that were involved in the school systems. We talked to some kids from Cody High. That's, yeah. that's the from one. From the West Side. Yep. And and so they were, you know, for students to who are about to leave high school, mm-hmm. and they're, they're in the accelerated programs, obviously, and they're about ready to go to college and choose their career, something like this is inspirational. And as I said to you uh, just earlier, this was like seeing 20 commencement speeches. Yeah. It really was all inspiration. It was interesting. You were talking with some of the kids about STEM because uh, your son yeah. went through STEM, this science, technology, engineering, and math. Engineering and math. He went through a STEM program out in Brandon, right? A right in Brandon. But it really was, he could have been STEAM with arts in there because he did a lot of arts too. And that, that's his bend um, right now, although he did very good in all the other classes. Um, yeah. The, the teacher we talked to was, was talking about the need to continue to develop that yeah. as part of a you know, serious curriculum for kids, particularly for young women, because they tend to drop out and you know, consider math and those kind of things. In middle school. In middle school, exactly. They may be very good up to that point, but they can't, because this isn't stuff that you know, girls do. But we know from de- working with the uh, MCWT, where the Michigan uh, Council of Women in Technology, got some big events coming up recently, uh, and very soon, that that is something that is so important for them. And they've got some great programs going. We'll be talking and, about them in some of the And future. this also helps, I mean, uh, exposing uh, the younger folks to seeing more dimensions to uh, a, a, a possibility. Yes. You know, okay, so you got this smarter than whip kid that's sitting there, and and they're going to create this box of electronics that's going to do something. 
But at the same time, maybe that box of electronics, instead of just being a square box, needs to have rounded corners to mm-hmm. it. Needs to be a different color, those sort of things. By exposing them to design along with the yeah. technology, it'll make them think, quote, out of the box so that they can come up with better things. Maybe that's the, fo- the bottom line on, on TEDx, Detroit. Mm-hmm. It made us think. Yeah, I, I, that, that's the whole thing. Outside I, of our, our box, you know, whether it was technology or whether it's art. Because some of the things that, that impressed us most were like poetry or song uh, that came out as well as the technology that was there. Yeah, because it, it makes us step worse strongly in technology, probably light on the arts. Mm-hmm. So now you got exposed to something that you normally wouldn't be thinking about and go like, hmm. Maybe I got something, you know, maybe there's something to that that can be incorporated in my everyday life to change how I view my technology. So, yeah, it's, it's a great exposure to it. Remember that thing. great cry from college, Col- culture, culture, that's our cry. If we don't get it, we will die. You know, I'm... Wow. Did they say that back in those days? (laughs) Just teasing. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Mr. Mike Brennan is going to be here with the headlines from MI Tech News. And then I do promise that we're going to get talking to about the Google gadgets that came out. One of the key players in our program every weekend is Mr. Mike Brennan, who is the editor of MI Tech News, which is a weekly, actually a weekly, twice week, You can get the information that he has for you about the headlines of things that are going on in technology and entrepreneurship through our fair state of Michigan. Mike, welcome to the program. Good to have you on again. Thanks, Foster. It's nice to be live again. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, we did not just resurrect him from the dead, by the way, folks. Mike is with us live from uh, the seat of all wisdom and learning, Ann Arbor, Michigan. (laughs) We've got some, some good things to say this week in the headlines about the state of Michigan. One of the things I saw in there was was that uh, our fair state has attracted some pretty good deals in terms of investments. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, report came out from a couple different organizations, including uh, the Venture Capital Association, the national one, that is. And Michigan uh, attracted 18 deals worth almost $120 million, which is the third best quarter we've had in some time. And that, in comparison to what's going on nationally, nationally, there's have five quarters in a row of, of down uh, investment. Mm. So we're going against the national trend. It's nice, just kind of, you know, the old saying of put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> Venture capital yeah. to start doing that in terms of the state of Michigan. That's nice to hear. Uh, one of the other things, too, that I saw out there, because we have coming up our North American International Cybersecurity uh, Conference, is coming up at Kobo Center on October the 17th, very soon, the summit. Uh, Governor Rick Snyder proclaimed this month as Michigan's Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Yeah, it's also National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, so he piggybacked in on that. But it's uh, it's really good to key in on what's going on in Michigan Part of that announcement they also made was from a variety of sources, and, and I think this number is very, very low. They've So far this year, $26.5 million has been stolen from people in Michigan Ouch. because of cyber criminals. But again, I think that's an underreported number. I think it's far higher than that. Probably is. You have a certain, I would imagine, factor where businesses in particular don't want to go flagging <laughs> to their competition or to the public that, yeah, we lost lots of money um especially if it's a but the average victim apparently lost four thousand dollars and that's sobering enough 
Yeah, particularly if you're a small business, $4,000 coming out of cash flow, that means you're probably paying uh, bitcoins to bad guys somewhere or some other way. I mean, there's different ways to quantify what is that number really. Excuse me. Is that lost revenue because you've been Mm -hmm. down? Mm -hmm. Is that you've lost some intellectual property? Is it just out and out ransomware? But anyway, yeah, it averages out to about $4,000 a head. And a final headline here that that caught my attention was uh, that... (laughs) Multitaskers often pride themselves on their ability to do a lot of things at once, but apparently that's not quite so good. No, and and this is from our friends at the Small Business Association of Michigan, one of our many content partners. Uh, It turns out that, uh, you know, by doing this, that some doctors have shown, an MIT neuroscientist, no doubt, uh, that... uh, by doing multiple things at once actually takes away from your IQ. It just means you're switching really, really fast from one to the other. So you think you're being really smart, but it's making you really dumb. Oh, that explains a lot. (laughs) (laughs) On my part. Oh, dear. When I saw that, I thought, oh, that's what it is. It's not Alzheimer's. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it probably is that, too. Oh, come on. (laughs) But that's an interesting point, because some people will pride themselves. Well, I can do all sorts of things at once, and you're not doing anything very well. It's kind of like the old thing about being a jack of all trades, but master of none. And that's being born out there. Well, folks, these kind of headlines and many more that talk about entrepreneurship and uh, highlights uh, from uh, sometimes a political arena as well as technology are um, there every week for you at MI Tech News. And Mike, how do folks get hold of that? Well, simply by going to MITechnews.com or going to your page, and you'll see a link there to my website. But if you're on the Internet, it's really easy to find. Uh, we have two newsletters that go out every week, one on the middle of the week that highlights all the podcasts and soon the videos. And then the one on Friday is uh, the best stories of the week, so you can use it for your weekend read. Uh, and like I say, we're going into video. The other thing I wanted to mention is Matt Roush and I will be doing a live feed on our show, M Squared TechCast, from the Cyber Summit on October 17th. Ooh, I will make a note of that right now, October 17th. And by the way, that's M Squared TechCast. You can find that by going to podcastdetroit.com. And you can link then to the uh, live show, which is done on Mondays, and it's done from... Three to four. Three to four. And that's Matt Rausch, a longtime reporter on technology. He have got... The the two have got... M&M have gotten together. That's why it's called M Squared TechCast. It's a great show to listen to. And uh, to for extended conversations with some very, very interesting people who are involved in technology and entrepreneurship. But that's good. That's, That's live on October 17th coming up. So... Circle that on your calendar. It's going to be a great one to listen to. Mike, thanks again for being with us here on the show and for uh, leading us to this. And again, folks, go to mitechnews.com. All it takes is your email address, and free for nothing, you get all this information. Mike, have a great weekend. Thanks, Foster. You too. All right. Hey, let's wrap up this hour, guys, by a question for you. What's the best piece of advice about computers you've ever received, Cal? Back up. (laughs) <laughs> Why did I think that was going to be your answer? Because the because it is the best piece of advice I've ever <laughs> Absolutely. received. Absolutely, and because I didn't do that myself, I got a bit of a problem. Actually, it, I it, did. Anytime you back, first of all, there's <laughs> one of my best friends used to say there's two types of people: those who need to back up and those who wish they backed up. <laughs> Which one do you want to be? So. Uh, You can never go go wrong with it. Right, exactly. You can never, ever go wrong with it. I recently had an experience in installing uh, the new 
update to Mac OS, the Mac OS Sierra, and uh, something did go awry in the installation. First time it wouldn't download, second time it did, but it changed some things. And one of the first questions you had to me was, did I make an image of my file beforehand? Fortunately, I didn't, but fortunately, I have a time machine, which is a backup running all the time, as well as a cloud-based backup. So you did have a backup. I do. I have two backups that are going, but uh, doing an image file is so important if you're going to do something like that. Well, when you say image... A booted, bootable image. Yeah, it, bootable. Actually, it's called a clone file. Thank you. So basically what you do is you take an external drive and you use some software uh, in, in on a Windows machine. You use something like a Cronus. And I think you can make a bootable backup with a Cronus. I'm not sure. Right? Ed? Yeah, yeah, you can make a bootable. But definitely on the Mac, if you use Carbon Copy Cloner or my favorite, Super Duper, right. uh, you, make, you take an external hard drive, you plug it into the USB or the... Thunderbolt port, and you format it, and you say, I want you to take my entire drive inside my computer and duplicate it in this external drive. Now, the drive has to be at least as big as your internal drive or larger. And what it does, it, it takes everything off the computer, puts it onto that drive, and then it also makes that drive bootable. So now when you're all done... If you're going to apply like an OS update to it, what you're going to do is not apply the OS update to the drive in the computer. You're going to boot the computer to the external drive. Uh When it comes up, then you apply that update to the external drive. Uh If it goes awry, you turn it off, you unplug the USB cable, you turn the computer back on, and you're exactly where you were before you started. If it goes well... You just go ahead and boot constantly to that external drive, play with it for a certain amount of time until you're sure all Mm. your applications are working. And if you're happy with it, then you can go ahead and do this. Clone the drive again to the external and then apply the update to the new machine uh, to your machine. If it goes awry, you can clone it back from the external drive. You always have a safe place. That is fascinating. So you do the updates to the clone. If it works... Then you put it back up across. Exactly. Ed, we're going to have to hold this for you now. I need I need to know when we come back on the other side of the break here, what's the best piece of computer advice you ever received, all right? Okay. Wait for that. Ed Riddell coming back. And, yes, we have another hour of the Internet Advisor. Thanks to Rich Luzinski, by the way, who's our, our uh, engineer behind the glass and helping to make things work there. Yes, we're coming back with hour number two of the Internet Advisor, our podcast version. Stand by for that. We'll have some advice for you, and we'll be talking about Google finally, as well as a few other things about Apple. All that coming up in hour number two. You're listening to a podcast of the Internet Advisor Show. To see the show notes for this program, visit our homepage, theinternetadvisor.net. You'll discover past podcasts, our free toolkit with software to clean up your computer and keep it running strong, and many other resources. You'll also find links to MITechnews.com, our co-sponsored weekly tech and entrepreneur newsletter, edited by Mike Brennan. If you have a question for our hosts, just click the contact button on the homepage and send us an email with the details. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook and Twitter and at Detroit's newest podcast network, podcastdetroit.com. Now let's get back to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. Hello, this is Foster Brown, and thank you for being with us for hour number two of our Internet Advisor podcast. And for those folks who are listening to us on our affiliates, it's good to be with you for our second hour. Uh, Normally, 
We are on uh, WJR 760 AM in Detroit, our flagship station, but there has been a football game going on during the afternoon, so we're here on a podcast, which means that we're available to you anytime you care to tune in. Got some good stuff coming. Welcome to hour number two of the Internet Advisor. And as much as I'd love to agree with that young lady, we are not taking your calls right now because this is a podcast of our program. Well, that does mean is we have an hour, second hour of the program. My name is Foster Brown, the producer and co-host of the program. With me in studio are Ed Riddell and Cal Carson. And these are my favorite shows. This is where Cal and I get to just kibitz. <laughs> well, you know something that the young lady may have said? We not taking, we're not taking the calls right now, but when we are live. Yes. When we are live. Don't wait till the end of the show. <laughs> call early. <laughs> call often. And then that way you can get your call in rather than at the very end, we got to try and oh, wedge yeah. in that spot. It's, it is almost inevitable that we have a backlog of four or five calls at the end of the program, and we start the program up with one or two scattered calls, but I think people kind of work up their courage to get that. But um, you're right, Cal. You're so right. And by the way, folks, if you have a question anytime during the week that you'd like to get to us, um, we I will I'm putting on our our homepage um, on internetadvisor.net. If you click on one of our programs, for instance, the podcast for this program, I'm putting a contact form at the beginning of it. And then also at the very bottom of the show notes, there's another space there where you can put in a question and send it off to us. And those will automatically come to our, our folks here. Ed yeah, and, and make Cal. sure that you put a valid email address in there. Oh, yes. Because we're not going to do anything with the email address. But if you want a response to your question, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll spend and type in four paragraphs. It's frustrating when I get undeliverable message. Oh, and yes, I spent all that creative oh. energy coming up with a possible reply to their problem. Do you, do you get that, Cal? Uh, yeah, every now and then. But you know what I tell them to do is I tell them to go over to the refrigerator right now, take a magic marker, and right on the front, write one eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven four p.m. six p.m. Saturday, and then just call it in. Yeah, there you go. We love it when you call. We love you too. Okay. Because they yep. can yak forever. <laughs> On rare occasions, we find ourselves like today, uh, preempted by uh, Michigan State University basketball. Uh, football. Well, right now it's football. Oh, pick a <laughs> sport. <laughs> yeah. Lacrosse. Who knows? Uh, ping pong. Any case, um, we are here. We are still with you. Now, Ed, I, I postponed uh, asking you this question. So I was at the beginning of it. You, racking my brains out trying to think of that. Okay, answer. so the question I asked Cal before and I'm asking you now is, what's the best piece of advice about computers you ever received? You know, I, I, I really can't think of one, but I, if there was one, it was always buy second gen. And, and, and that is because I'm a cheapskate, and that's why Rick and I get along so well, Rick Broida. And, and I... You know, I'm not going to go. When I used to build my own computers, I wouldn't get out the, the latest, greatest Intel processor or AMD or if anyone remembers Citrix, I'd get last gen because, you know, I'm not going to spend $600 for a single processor when I could spend 250 for a single processor and it's only four months old. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that that was my philosophy. But but then that sometimes turns into buy cheap, buy often, <laughs> if, especially in today's mobile phone market and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So especially yeah. with laptops. So if you're going out and getting a laptop for a college kid, you got to think you have to put a little yeah. rationale behind yeah. it. Yeah, you do have to think a little so bit. So do you want to buy them the best of the best, knowing that you, that you know they're going to smash it in that backpack of theirs? <laughs> so when I by I, the way, that's the voice of experience. Talking. I tried to talk my son into buying 
a $250, $300 laptop instead of a $900 laptop. I said, and I tried telling him, because you, if you break it, you could break it three times. <laughs> and, you know, that you could get three laptops. <laughs> yeah, but you know something, kids, you know, they're smarter than that. They know that having three mopeds is not as cool as having one Harley. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they're going to go for the good stuff. Well, but in his case, uh, matter of fact, the, the laptop that he chose was a pretty, it was Sony, wasn't it? it was yeah, a Sony, and it's uh, still top of the line. Intel, yeah. I mean, Intel i7, you know, yep. Yep. quad core, and it still kicks butt. But it still had some mechanical problems. It like, did. With the, with the hinges on it. It did. The, the manufacturer cheapened it up the uh, the lid of it, and the um, plastic actually debonded itself from the aluminum And isn't cover. it true that Sony no longer services? Is it they... They don't even make them, I don't think. They don't... do now. U.S. distribution only for... Really? One company, and who was it? Um, I just read this, because I actually... Microsoft Store. Oh, no kidding. When you said... When you asked me that yeah. you went into the Microsoft Store... Yeah, yeah. And they says, you said that uh, you saw Sony Vials in there. They're mm-hmm. trying to sell one of your grandsons. And I'm mm-hmm. like, don't buy it. They're dumping that old trash because Sony's out of business, right? Sony Vials. I turned out that's not the case. Sony is as a select market. They're manufacturing PCs just for Microsoft oh, to be yeah. distributed in their Microsoft stores. Wow. And so, and and because with the problem we ran into is that the product lines for my that my children both bought Sony Vials is that. Because it went to a group of a, a holding company, right, for the stock, oh. and a bunch of lawyers owned it, they said, we don't support that anymore. We're not going to update those drivers Ooh. so that they're Windows 10 compatible or Windows 8 compatible even. Oh so we really God. ended up in a, in, a, in a cesspool there with them, and I really bad taste in our mouth. Oh, I bet, yeah. Oh, that... Well, maybe you might want to go back because the, 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 the ones they have in the Microsoft store start off at eight ninety nine yep. and can go as high as $1,600. And that's what we paid for Talons was the uh, was the eight ninety nine. So, um, yeah, and and it was a. We always loved Vials. They were always considered top of the line. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And Sony put out some of the best. Uh, they at least they were alleged to have put out some of the best material. Yeah, I was really disappointed in that hinge problem. But other than that, the great graphics card, just yeah, wonderful computer. You know what? Well, go ahead. I, I think they did those hinges that way just so you can steampunk that thing. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't know if I ever published it, but I put some brass pieces on the top of that I, thing. I know. We talked about that. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> okay, guys, we have promised to talk about the Google release this past week. When we come back, let's give some <laughs> give some love to Google and talk about uh, some uh, well, a remarkable series of things they revealed this past week. And... Mm, they may make the whole computer run interesting. Welcome back to the Internet Advisor, Foster Brown here, and uh, we're just having a lot of fun this this weekend. Uh, Gary is out. He is as they where the cat's away, the mice will play. You know the old saying. And uh, Kel Carson and Ed Riddell and myself, Foster Brown, are in here just kind of having fun, chewing the fat about uh, different products. Well, and what sort of cat would we make, Gary? Cheshire. Because <laughs> he always disappears. No, no, he has that knowing smile. Yeah, he does have a grin. Yeah, he yeah. has that knowing it's smile. It's not that particular grin, though, is it? <laughs> no, no, never mind. Mind. Grin? no, 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 you know, it seems a lot of these companies that were search-based or software-based, like Microsoft and stuff, are coming out on the hardware side. They're mm-hmm. prob- like they're taking the book just like Apple did, and and yep. uh, they're coming up with their own 
hardware because you could make money doing that. <laughs> but the the difference that I've noticed though is that when the software company the software companies don't know how to market hardware. Google the, certainly has been the proof of that. Yeah, I think. They, they don't know how to market the hardware. They know how to make it. They know how to develop it and create yep. it. Yep. Software companies never had to market anything because, you know, Microsoft, did they have to run a commercial for Windows? No, nah, not really. No, not really. You know, because it was there. People were just going to use it. But if they weren't traditionally a hardware manufacturer of such, they they appear to do a very poor job at marketing stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think that... Uh, Google, I think, is a very good good case for that. Go ahead. Yeah. No, Microsoft, too. Look what they did with their oh, phone. Oh, Lord. Oh, yes. So they, their hardware. Microsoft yes. had a phone? The only <laughs> decent thing I think actually I, had I, an I'm trying to remember phone. Xbox is, is a product line where they actually had a hardware product that took off. Before that, you had a mouse. You had the Microsoft mouse with That's the wheel. That's true. Before the Xbox, I really can't think of another Hardware product. You, you now have oh, the well, Surface. Oh, the keyboard. They had the, the uh, ergonomic keyboard that they put out. That's but true. With the long, but but even, that's a long, but, long, long. That's but, a peripheral. But even that wasn't a big... You know, when I say something's marketed well, it, it becomes common sense. Com, yeah. com, common sense. Just common. You know, it's yep. like, you know, if someone says, uh, I don't know... It's water cooler. It, yeah. If someone says, you know, pop, you know, you think Coke, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and, and they're not getting product like that. Right. Now, yep. if you say cell phone... First thing you're going to think is iPhone. Even though everybody doesn't have an iPhone, iPhone is like the gold standard. I don't think of that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when I think of an MP3 player, I think iPod. Okay. Yes. Yes, that's a very good point. But, okay, so back to the topic. Google released, what, the Pixel? The Pixel, which was, there are two versions of the phone, the 5-inch and the 5.5-inch. And And the other one's called Pixel 60, right? Right. No, it's Pixel XL. Yeah, right, XL, right. Right, which is, isn't that 60? Uh, No, I don't (laughs) know. Or is that 40? I'm trying to think of Super Bowl language. It'd be 40. Yeah, Okay. Continue. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm not going to go down the football path because I'll be lost. Uh, me too. In any case, it's being built by Huawei. Huawei, yes. I think Huawei is building it. The Chinese firm is building yep, it. Yep. But in any case, they're selling it, and, and you'll see this coming out soon. Pixel is, so, is going to be their phone. Remember, they had the Nexus. Yeah, they had the Nexus, the which end is of a the, very popular product. A lot of people are what, sad that it disappears. Our own Jim from work, who does the mornings with us. And, he's still nursing one of those things. He is. He? he loves this. Well, Nexus. one of the things that was nice about it was it was clean. When you got it, you didn't get it with all sorts of garbage loaded on it. Okay, now guess what? Now, what? Here, here's how it works, and, and this is me just talking. You notice the Nexus was very clean, and it worked. It was done by Google, mm-hmm. who... Also did the software for it. Right. So the whole right. thing was all made to work mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Apple made their iPhone, made by Apple. They did the software. Mm-hmm. It all worked together. So when it's done like that, it works yes. really well. Now, why it didn't work the same way for Microsoft, I don't oh, know. I don't know. But it should have. Boy, they had great phones, too, with Nokia. The phones well, were actually excellent. Oh, yeah, you know, and I, and I so really think it is has to do with their online store. You mm. have the App Store from Apple. You have Google, you have the Google Play, and yeah, Microsoft, yes. you have the Microsoft Store, and it's like, oh, great, I got six apps I want, you know? So yeah, until well, they, they- They're, they're probably- and, and that's what the Windows 10, release of Windows 10, yes. and the Xbox One, mm-hmm. and and supposedly the, the uh, if they do come up with another, and their Surface, of course, mm-hmm. um, they're starting to build- um, with their Xbox and the and the Windows 10, their store is going to start building. Well, they're start they're trying to get an ecosystem into place. Yep. And I think 
It's taking them a while. It's going to take them a while because, I, in my opinion, they're going about it the wrong way. The way that Google and or or my, or Apple did it is they took one product and created a strong ecosystem around that one product. Then they brought in the next product and built it against it. For example, they started off with uh, the iPod. Then they had the iTunes store for it. Mm-hmm. And then that made a, a good solid base for it. And then from the iTunes store, then they slowly brought in the phone because the phone had a link to the iPod because it played music like mm-hmm. it. So it built that part of the ecosystem. And so because the phone has a visual interface on it, now you can bring in movies and, and, and video. So that brought it into it. And then they linked the Apple TV to it. And then that came into it. So it's how you build that ecosystem, well, then, I think, makes it. That's true. That's By true. the way, Ed, so, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to go on to our next topic. So we got not only the new phone. Yep. So Google announces the phone. They're also coming up with the Daydream Views headset, that which I is think, a VR set. I right? think, and, and the price point on that is $79. I think that's going to yeah. work. $79, I, yeah. I Easy. think it's for people who, who want to get into vir- virtual reality. That's a tank of gas. <laughs> well, it was a tank of gas two years ago. <laughs> Depending on so so the tell vehicles. me a little more about Daydream. Do you use your phone like you do with the Samsung yeah. one? Yeah, you slip the phone into the headset. And, and as a matter of fact, it looks like a rather nice headset, very comfortable. To Does end. it only work with the Google phone? Well, good. don't know. They haven't That's released it. These are just announcements that just of the product. That just looks like a holder. From what I can see, this looks like a holder for Yeah, me. okay. But uh, for people who are into virtual reality, it looks like a kind of a cool thing. Now, I would probably be a little more interested in Google Home. Which ah. is the uh, the virtual assistant that they have, so I can walk in and say, "Hi, Google, uh, what's the temperature like outside?" or that sort of thing. Or can you, or, or I hope it's such that I can adjust things in the home. I think with the success that they've had with Google Voice, and uh, the when you when you go to Google, you can ask uh, Google things online, mm-hmm. and they've had it has for a long time, to my mind, has been one of the most effective ones. Uh, for responding to verbal commands. Right. They're really getting it. Uh, I think that that could be a very, very popular... Now, it's going to be going up against Alexa, which is the very popular Amazon um, home oh, assistant. Alexa. Oh, the... Um... The Alexa, you know, the speaker that they have in the house, you can ask Alexa, you can... The Echo. Matter of fact, people are... Uh, Alexa's the all, name. All over our listening audience, people who have Alexas right now are probably saying, stop I'm saying Alexa. <laughs> Alexa, stop. turn on the lights. Oh, sorry about that listening audience. Anyway, that's what Google Home is doing. All right, I just saw now, on Google Home's going to be able to control some of my devices in the house, and I can even run my Nest thermostat with Google Home. There you Home. go. Now, I know that you're big on that. Now, one of the things I'd like to see is, I mean, one of the drawbacks is you have to be in a particular room for that and and where do you put the remote microphones if you're downstairs so mm. one of the things that google's releasing also is the google wi-fi what they haven't yes. said is that if you tie your google um uh, voice activated device to it the google home if you have the google wi-fis wouldn't it be nice this would just make perfect sense to have a microphone in each one of these in the various areas of your house ah. and that way it would it would activate the other unit it would just make sense that if if, well, if you're throwing would... a repeater, if you're throwing a repeater in the house, which yeah, is what the Google Wi-Fi, right? Yeah. Why not yeah. put a microphone in there so that so that it can activate your Google Home? Well, if you did that, then you wouldn't be able to sell multiple Google Homes that you'd have all <laughs> over your house at one twenty nine a crack. Well, they they all look like hockey pucks. What's the difference? <laughs> they're white hockey pucks. They just want you to buy more pucks. <laughs> oh, I understand. Okay, more then, bucks with more pucks. Well, there you go. <laughs> and then also Chromecast, which has been around for a while, it's been one of the more inexpensive uh, 
uh, streaming uh, devices is is out there. Been tweaked a little bit. I didn't see too much new with that. You no. know, this is terribly sad. You know, two years ago for Christmas, I got Chromecast, and I have not taken it out the pack yet. Oh, my. <laughs> I probably should do that just to make sure it still works. <laughs> and that's going to be going for like 69 bucks. Okay, folks, there we promised it are the Google devices that have come out. If you want to follow up on more of that, just Google. <laughs> Google gadgets. <laughs> Coming back, it's got something to say about Microsoft and some future gadgets there. Internet advisor, in case you wonder what this is, Foster Brown, co-host and uh, producer of the program, along with Ed Rudell and Cal Carson. And we've been talking about uh, the various companies out there, Apple and uh, Google, and some of the products that are coming up. And one of the things, um, was it you that mentioned beforehand, or or maybe it was Cal, was that um, the companies are coming out with... um, products instead of just being software companies right they're also coming up with hardware microsoft is one that i think you was mentioned that one of the things they came up with was a real hit was the uh, xbox yes that certainly was a super hit oh yeah and then uh, we also can remember the microsoft uh, mice that came out and the, you know, the ergonomic keyboards and things like that now um there's some rumors out there that there are some heavy equipment coming out and we have a date apparently ed October 26th. So Microsoft set an announcement to all the, um, to all people in the news media basically saying, imagine what you'll do. What's next for Windows 10? And uh, the date is October 26th. They're going to have a bunch of announcements. Mm. Of course, this just fuels speculation on what are they going to announce. Well, of course, you, you can expect what's next with Windows 10. Microsoft said it's their final Windows product. And what we'll receive now is just updates. But what can we expect from Windows 10? Also, the Xbox, too. Remember, we had a collaboration with uh, when Windows 10 was released. There's a close tie between Windows 10 and Xbox. Anything that's on your your Xbox, you could play on your Windows 10 TV if mm-hmm. you have the proper and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And you can watch movies that are stored on your mm-hmm. Xbox or music. So um, there might be some closer ties or an expansion to that. Um, one of the things is that rumor mills are saying is a Surface all-in-one unit. Expect Microsoft to start coming up with its OEM laptops and and other um, devices. Wasn't that, guys, wasn't that, a, didn't they come up with it like two years ago that they had a huge... Surface? A Surface was like a tabletop. That, that they was called more like it the Surface. They called it the Surface before the Surface was released That's two right. years ago. That's right. Two years, so it's four years ago. They Brilliant called, marketing. Yeah, it was, so it was called the <laughs> Surface. It was about the size of an end table. Yes, and, right. And in... You know, it had fish on there, and you know, and if you watch Hawaii Five O, yep, you've seen that that tabletop uh, computer that they work with, if, if they touch yes. screen, that kind of thing. I just saw it the other day, but uh, or oh, Minority right. Report, that kind of thing, where you have this wall sized. Uh, oh, as a matter of fact, oh, I had a special name. Do you guys remember that for the wall sized um, Microsoft display? Oh shoot, immersion. I don't know. We'll have to have somebody Google for that. <laughs> or no, Bing, Bing, it. Bing, Bing it. for it. <laughs> and I just saw something coming out here, guys. And uh, you may uh, you know, kind of scoff at this, but apparently there is a Surface phone that is uh, rumored to be coming out soon. Uh, this was leaked, apparently, from uh, Microsoft Australia's Twitter account. Accidentally leaked the Surface phone specs through a tweet. And um, the, the, the screen I'm looking at now says it's called Microsoft Lumia. Now, they bought Nokia, 
or yep. Nokia. Nokia. And Lumia was the name of the phone brand that they had. Yep. My wife, Ginny, still has one that she's working with and, and loves uh, the 1520. Uh, she loves the way the software works on it, et cetera. Apparently, it looks like there are two sizes of this that look like what Google did with the Pixel. There's going to be a five-inch and then a five and a half inch, roughly, or how, how, in like with with iPhones, it would be like a, a seven and a seven S, or a six and a six plus. Well, yeah, it'd be yeah seven and seven plus. Yeah. Now, seven how large is the seven plus? Six point five. Yes. Really? Uh, I, I'm five point five inches. Pardon me. I thought it was larger than that. No. Like the size of a shoe for no. some reason. No. Because if you get bigger than that, you might as well buy an iPad Mini. There you go, right there that's in front like of you. He's holding it up to the microphone, the microphone. folks, yeah. so you can see it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty normal. It's about the size of my Android. Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> droid. <laughs> the, uh, the Samsung's Galaxy 7, about the same size as that. Yeah. So th- there's a rumor that they're going to come up with that. Now, you know, what the, What would be nice about that is to have a Surface, is if I could pull up my Office 360 on my phone and... While I'm walking around the building, oh, I need to have a hard copy of this. And I'd be able to then print out to any of the printers on my network because I'm VPN'd in. And, and it, it, the software would just tie so much easier into my office environment, which is a Microsoft shop. Well, but Microsoft has, with um, Satya Nadella, who is a new boss there, yeah. uh, moved away from where Steve Ballmer was going, which was a lot of hardware. He moved into making software, yep. which very cleverly can work on everything. It can work on, for instance, Cal, on our iPhones, we can use Microsoft Office products. Right. No, that's true. Pretty much seamlessly on that. Yeah, but th- yeah, but you can you print with your phone into your corporate environment? No. Ever since they removed the infrared on phones and printers, which was great because hmm. in our corporate environment they would have these infrared things on there, oh. and um, you, you won't find a printer with near-field communications where I could just walk up, set my phone on it, and be able to then oh, print oh. the document. Yeah, yeah, but you know what they do have, and I and I did this with one of our folks just this past week with Joe. Uh, they do have a wireless built into the printer, and you can air print directly into the printer from your phone or your iPad. In a corporate environment? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. They haven't found... Well, let me rephrase that. To the individual printer, not yes. to the network. Not to the network, but Correct. to the individual printer. So yeah, it's a replacement for the old IR type situation. Oh, excellent. Well, How that about, makes me feel a little better. It doesn't HP have that, though? With the yeah, HP? this is an HP printer. Yeah, because I, I have an app on my uh, phone yeah. that I, sh- I can click on, which will connect me to whatever If you have HPs an HP are... printer that happens to have AirPrint in it, you can do it that way, too. Right, yeah, but good luck if you have a Microsoft um, Surface, what is it, the RC? The original, what was it? The oh, um, oh yes, yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. The Good luck one. trying to find drivers. Oh no, I have no, several no, no. people that had that, and it does not work. The vendors and Microsoft. Okay, let me jump a little bit here because sure. you put me on this. Okay, at Micro Center, if you were in the Detroit metropolitan area, you can look for this. Uh, otherwise, it might be worth the trip. Um, they have a um, uh, what's it called? A WinBook? Intel? Uh, uh, I forget what it's. It's a ten point one inch uh, tablet that actually is running Windows ten. It's got an Atom processor in it, so it's not blazingly fast, and it's got two gigabytes of RAM on it. Okay, but in terms of doing like email and things like that, perfect. And it's got a keyboard that is part of a cover for it. And the whole package together is like with um, a year of complete coverage uh, for you know dropping or whatever happens, um, $140 for the whole shooting match for Windows 10. And I- I'm coveting this myself the entire thing 
is less than what it costs to pay for the operating system. Ed brought that up before. Isn't that something? That well, you pay, it was like 120 something, don't you, for the operating system for Windows 10? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, $119. Yeah. And, and then, and this, of course, has not got a lot of space in it, but there's a micro SD slot on it where you can boost it to like 128 uh, gigabytes on one of those little bitty cards. And uh, you're in business. And then store a lot of stuff in the cloud as well. Well, conversely, that uh, Microsoft big computer you were talking about, the seven-foot one, the wall size Oh, one, yeah. What is? You could get that for a mere $19,999. <laughs> oh, that's right. What was the name of it? It was called the Surface Hub That's wall right. That's right. The Hub. And I would bet some corporate environments, that would be a steal. <laughs> oh, uh, that that uh, Micro Center was called a WinBook. I was right. You're right. And Win it was book. the TW101. And a lot of guys at work use it because if you're familiar with gaming and we're familiar with Steam, which is a gaming platform for PCs, they can play most any game they want on this WinBook, the 7 or the 10-inch. So, but one of the things that struck me about that is if it's you a, wanted just something to sit on a couch with to do you know, your email or to do some word processing. For instance, you can get Office 360 mm-hmm. online and like I pay a subscription of 100 and 120 a year, and I've got five installs with that. Now, some of our grandchildren have installed. Jenny's got an install. I get an install for that, and I'm I'm already I'm running away. I've and got all things. 140 bucks for this device. Well, it's a hundred. It was 99 dollars. No, you part, the, yeah, the device is less. It was on sale two weeks ago for two weeks. Now it's back up to the regular 120 dollars. So whatever Foster's saying, you can add twenty bucks to it. So. Oh, okay. Well, when I was there, uh, it was uh, just this last bucks. week, it was. You yeah. pay Michigan State tax, and you were good to go. I just couldn't talk myself into it. You know, no, uh, I just couldn't do it. I think I, I so need to have PCs that in order to be able to see what what Windows Ten <laughs> to troubleshoot my wife's computer. <laughs> I got a feeling you'll be losing it to her. Because she's going to look at it and go like, oh, why should I have this big no, Well, she has this or lovely she little love HP. The big, the, the, the big screen. What she loves is she had No, she doesn't have a bigger screen. Hers is maybe only a 13-inch screen. I uh, think it was only a 13-inch a screen. A 13-inch screen. It's an HP Elite. So it's a, it's a laptop with a oh, keyboard okay. on it. This one, the keyboard is in the cover. And it magnetically snaps yeah, it's a into it. It's basically it's a, a tablet. It's a tablet, basically. Okay. And, um, but what's lovely about it, for folks out there who ask us, what should I get? Folks, if you're a grandma or grandpa, aunt or uncle who just simply wants something basic with which to do email and to move, maybe do some documents. And you want to stay on the Windows platform. And you want to stay on the Windows platform. What a steal. Right. It, it's a fully functional version oh, of Windows. Completely functional yeah. version of Windows. So that's a, that's one of the things that's already out there now. But it'll be interesting to see what's coming out on October 26th. Yes, if Microsoft's going to come up. You know, everybody's shooting for Christmas. Yeah. This is pre-Christmas sales. Is Microsoft, I mean, is Apple coming up with, well, we'll ask Cal that again yeah, when Apple's we come back. Apple's already done their deal. They've done their deal. Okay. When we come back, I have a question about customer service for my two esteemed colleagues who are with me in studio here as we wrap things up here on the Internet Advisor. I certainly hope you've enjoyed our program today. A little different uh, than what we normally do, where we have a guest on and we have we take uh, technical questions that you folks are asking. Uh, because we're doing this as a podcast and uh, as a pre-record for our network as well, you kind of get uh, to listen in as Ed and Cal and I chew the fat a little bit about some of these technical things that are going on. As a matter of fact, on the break, Cal had, um, and I didn't want this uh, insight, if you will, to to go 
uh, missing. But you were talking about the person or the company that is able to come up with a specific kind of a device is going to be the winner in the near future. Yeah, my, my thinking is clearly this. Uh, somewhere out there right now, there is a uh, uh, angel investor that needs to invest money with me uh, <laughs> to come up with a device that will talk to all these devices. Because, uh. well, you know, you gotta, if you live in, in, a, in any family house... You'll have people who, some like iPhones, some like Androids, some like yeah. uh, Google stuff, some like Apple stuff, some people like Microsoft stuff. They, You know, all this different hardware and every one of these ecosystems don't talk to each other very well. So if they were to create some sort of central hub where even if I brought in Apple TV and, yes, I like Chromecast and I want to use that too, I can plug all that stuff into that central hub mm -hmm. and it talks to all my other devices and I don't have to worry about, oh, now I have to just use this remote control or that yeah. remote control. That would be optimum. What is going to make that happen? What will be the incentive to make that kind of thing happen? Because they all seem to be building their wall gardens. The walls are getting built higher and higher, so they don't do that kind of thing. I say they, as in Apple yeah. and Microsoft. Not so much Microsoft. They seem to be kind of trying to bridge it. Part It's either going to go one or two ways. It'll either go like cable television is going, where Comcast is just eating everybody up, and they're pretty much going okay. to be the one monolith out there. And so if you want the good stuff, you go to Comcast. If you want to go to other places, you can. But you won't have the super spiffy stuff. Or someone has to go like, I'm going to create a utility. It's going to be called translation. And I'm going to make this device where you you come with whatever you have. I don't care if it's a, a Xfinity uh, cable television or if you've got, if you got uh, uh, you know, an, an Android this or, sure, sure. or this or that. And you just plug it into this hub and it talks to and everything in the house. it just works. Remember Steve Jobs' thing? It yeah. just works. That mantra was a real key. What do you think, Ed? What's, what's it going to take for us to, to, as consumers to finally get a product that really does work together with all these things? It's going to take cooperation between all the different vendors to set up protocols and standards. At the what beginning. incentive is there for that? Well, look at the standard they finally set. You know, you used to be able to hook up networks using Vanian Binds. Yep. You used to be using Novell's Netware. You used to do that. Finally, it all settled out, and everybody's just using Ethernet and calling it a day. Yeah, and, and the Internet is the protocol of call. So yeah. that uh, TCP so IP, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't then become the issue. They move on to other things to make their money from it. Yeah. I, well, this reminds uh, me of the old days with modems. Remember he had all the different modem protocols? So oh, yeah. if you had a modem and you wanted to call uh, up a dial-up bank, you may only get connected at uh, 9600 baud. And, uh, but if you had the ro U.S. robotics, you could have connected at 56K mm. because you had an incompatible modem. Remember those days? Yeah. Oh, that's, oh yeah. So the key is going to be somebody who builds that translator hub. They'll either have to make a translator hub yeah. that will take all these crazy protocols and get them all together, or the manufacturers all have to say, you know something, we've been battling this way too long. It's easier and cheaper for everybody to write to one standard. We're going to do every, we're going to call home automation 101, and then everyone's going to write to this standard, and that's how you make your products talk to home automation. And, and a lot of, it's a lot easier now because there's, these devices are not hardwired, if you will. They are, uh, programmable and you can do firmware upgrades. Yeah. So it, it's quite mm. possible that if you if a 
future device comes out that it's not compatible, you could just it'll automatically receive an update and make it compatible with just like your printers. You get a you, you know um, you got a PC and the new printer comes out in two years. You know, that came out after your PC, it's going to have drivers that are going to be released that are going to be supported so you can communicate with that device. And even if they are hardwired, today, everything is wired. with. If it's hardwired, it's hardwired with that right there, your good old RJ45 Ethernet cable. That's pretty much the standard across the board. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, this is along the lines of what you talked about, the Internet of Things and, and uh, networking, you know, the, the front doorbell, <laughs> yeah. along with the thermostat and the smoke detector and a whole bunch of other things. Maybe that's where the incentive comes from, well, yeah. is the world of the Internet of Things. Well, that's true. I mean, if I buy a refrigerator that has part of the, a smart refrigerator that's part of the Internet of Things, but I have my, um, my Amazon Echo and it doesn't communicate with it. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to have Who's to go out lose? and buy the Microsoft, you know, you know, Hulu device or, you know, whatever mm. it's going to be. Hey, a quick question for you as we wrap things up, guys. Um, uh, Cal Carson and Ed Rudell here, Foster Brown as well. I hope you've enjoyed this kind of rambling thing we've been doing with our podcast today. Um, this is National Customer Service Week. Where, what company is, would you say, gave you the best comp- customer service, Ed, in your experience? And recently? Yeah. I hate to say it, but it was Hewlett Packard. I used to be able to say Dell, but Dell You're right. is has their customer service has gone so bad. Uh, where when I when I when we've called HP, you get someone that's knowledgeable and they mm. listen to you and it's not scripted. You can explain what's going on. I'm just trying to open a ticket. I got a cracked screen. And they'll they'll ask you a few questions and you're good. If I go to Dell, they're following a script and they say, Well, did you try this? Did you try that? You know. Did you listen to what I said? I said I have a cracked yeah. screen and I have 100%. You know, it just seems to be that a lot of the call centers, the way they go, instead of paying a little bit more for someone that's knowledgeable on the phone, they're going to get someone at an entry-level job and they're going to pay a minimum wage and they're going to follow a script. Mm. And if, uh, you know am I right, saying? though, that, that call centers seem to be coming back to this country? I, I actually should probably no. confirm that with fact. I don't think call centers are coming back, but I think there is a trend now to create new call centers within the country and try to provide a service that feels more akin to the locale that it's being serviced. My grandson, Anthony Stack, is part of the HP call center. Oh, is he? Here in the Detroit area. Yes, he is part of that. Matter of fact, I think the the county of San Diego mm-hmm. is what he is servicing with the calls that come uh-huh. to him. Because uh, I was a former HP employee and very bitter at, at the way we were treated when, when they bought out EDS uh-huh. and, 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 uh, and what the happened. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, everything they took away from us and how they mm-hmm. took advantage of us and the pay rate, you know, stuff like that. So I have a lot of bitter feelings mm-hmm. about that. But I have to say that their call centers are really, really good. Mm. So, Cal, how about you? What's your best experience of, uh, we won't focus on the worst, the best experience of, are you of talking about customer I- service? Are you talking about IT or just customer service, period? Well, let's start with IT and then go on to. Oh, let's see. That's hard to tell. You know, you know, I had I well, tell you, the printer. I, no, I just realized Nest. I had a great customer service oh, experience really? with Nest about a uh, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. My Nest smoke detector, uh, and CO two smoke detector, was having a problem. I couldn't get it to pair with my Wi Fi. 
And I worked with it and worked with it. And then finally, uh, after using their website, which was really good, I ended up calling them directly and got a guy on the phone. And we walked through the entire process and worked on it and still couldn't get it to work. But the guy was very pleasant and extremely knowledgeable, understood the product, knew exactly what was going on with it. And then after we were all done... Uh, he shipped out a brand new one for me, and it was good to go. Uh-huh. And you'll find that with a lot of startup companies like that. Yeah. Not quite startup. It's been around for a year or two. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah it, it was Kinda great. Kind of hope that that customer service stays that kind of quality, because it is so important, at least to me in terms and of And it was customer service in the United States, too. Yep. There you go. Folks, thank you so much for being with us here during this uh, special kind of program. It's been a, a podcast-based and uh, focused on our network. You folks out there who are a part of our affiliate stations, we're delighted to be able to serve you through our podcast and through this program. My name is Foster Brown, the co-host of the program and the producer. Gary will be with us next week, and we'll be back with Ed and Cal as well as we delve into the Internet and talk about upcoming uh, Cyber Summit that's coming very, very soon here, international, North American International Cyber Summit coming to Michigan and many other things. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you very soon. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show, Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.